back to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is Alex. Hello, Alex. Hi, Pia. How's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's so hot. I'm so hot right now, like not looks-wise, but temperature-wise. Yes, I would describe my current state as basting. I'm basting <laughs> like a pig in the oven. I think we're currently like the hottest podcasters recording today. <laughs> I heard that this was the hottest 4th of July, like the hottest day on record. Woohoo! If anyone's still wondering if we're going through a climate crisis, wake up. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening right now. Ask your armpits. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is a Masala News episode. <laughs> Just FYI. Oh, yeah. We got all the Masalas. I don't want to do like a week's worth of research. Let's just, you know, let loose, hang loose and do a Masala News episode. So these are just stories that we find online that are funny, strange, weird, paranormal, whatever. I'm sure you'll find them entertaining. <laughs> Usually we have some hijinks, some jungle news, a lot of animal related news. Pia, I have one spicy monkey masala corner coming up today. No spoilers. I do not like monkeys, but I'll sit through that one. We're going to have a lot to hash out with this one. It is so hot right now. There's a heat wave going on where I am. And as I've mentioned before, I record in the basement of my home. And that's where all the systems of the home are. The AC, HVAC, whatever it's called. Yeah. And so if I turn the AC on in the house, you'll hear it in the episode. Like, rah, 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 rah. you'll hear all that oh. machinery whirring. So I had to turn off the AC in the entire home just so we could record. Oh, my gosh. But shouldn't the basement at least be the coolest part of the house naturally? It is absolutely pleasant down here. So you're comfortable, but the kid and the husband upstairs, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah, my husband and kid who are probably going to get home soon are going to boil the minute they walk into the home. They'll be like, oh, I feel like a turkey. Service and sacrifice. That's true love. And I can see Alex recording with a little hand fan. Yes, I'm very fancy. I have my little fan i think it might be registering on the mic so i might not be able to actually use it <laughs> all right enough about the heat let's talk about something cool and cold you know like the deep oh. dark depths of the ocean how about that are you coming in hot with some like actually relevant news i didn't know that we did that on this show on these episodes <laughs> So we're talking about trendy news, which is unusual. We usually talk about old news, just to be safe. Or monkeys. <laughs> or monkeys, yeah. <laughs> Unless you've been living under a rock. Yeah, I was going to say something about pineapples under the sea, but actually, if you live in a pineapple under the sea, you should still know about this. You'd be safe from this story. <laughs> so there was this fateful or unfortunate expedition to go see the Titanic, the ruins of the Titanic at 12,500 feet under the ocean, somewhere near off the coast of Canada. And this group of five people went in this capsule looking submersible called a Titan to go look at some rusting ship. I don't know why. I don't see the appeal. I'm sorry. But they went down and within an hour and a half of descending into the ocean, they 
completely lost contact with the outside world. And after like a week of frantic searches by a ton of different companies and government departments and whatnot, they found uh, pieces of the submersible. So they've all died, all five of them. I heard today that actually the FBI or something knew almost immediately what had happened to the sub, but they didn't release the information because of security. Uh, yes, the U.S. Navy knew because they have several sensors in the bottom of the ocean and they can hear everything that happens. Keeping track of the reptilians. Especially implosions of this magnitude, they can hear it. And so they knew, yeah. but they can't reveal that because, of course, it's, you know, secret technology. You can't let the world know ASAP. But then why do we know now? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. The secret is out. Don't do weird shit in the ocean. The U.S. Navy is listening. You know when you're like scuba diving or snorkeling or whatever? Yeah. Do not, you dare, Pee. fart in the ocean. The U.S. Navy is on it. <laughs> we'll hear it. <laughs> you think no one heard that? Guess again. No fish bullying. <laughs> Guess again. Yeah. So unfortunately, these five people lost their lives in a catastrophic implosion because at that depth, even if there's yeah. like a microscopic flaw in the body of that submersible, it's... It just goes inverted pop. Why are we talking about this? Because two of the passengers on board were of Pakistani ethnicity or origin, we can say. Was that the father and son, actually? Uh-huh. Oh. Now, tickets to get on this sub were not cheap. You had to pay 250 thousand dollars per person yeah to tease death essentially to get locked into a barrel and chucked into the ocean essentially because the size of this thing was a little larger than a whiskey barrel yeah apparently they were controlling this whole thing with a logitech game controller right that cost like 25 bucks and i love that that was supposed to be a selling point He's trying to be cool. The owner was a total a narcissist and a complete idiot, in my opinion. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry if he, like, people thought he was some kind of pioneer, you know, trying to make his own thing. Because there are companies that do tours like this, but not too many. Mm -hmm. Mostly for scientific research. And James Cameron practically lives down there. He goes down there, like, every weekend. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, obsessed with the Titanic. So weird. He's obsessed. But he's also smart. And he spent a lot of money on those submersibles and the technology to do it safely. But seems like the CEO of OceanGate is totally opposite. Right. He's just trying to be cheap, cut corners. Absolutely not follow any integrity guidelines or safety protocols whatsoever. So yeah, he was trying to be cool. He put a freaking game controller in there. And I'm, I'm pissed about that because that like paints gaming in a bad light. In a totally different way, like unrelated to gaming even. Right. And that, that wasn't the problem either. No. It wasn't the game controller. So the whole like focus on the game controller mm -hmm. sort of besides the point. Actually, do they know what caused the implosion? No, not yet. What was the weak link? There was obviously some flaw in their pressure tube, that capsule they were in. Uh -huh. It was made out of unusual or abnormal materials used for submersibles at those depths. 
it was not qualified for 12,500 feet at all. So it's not surprising that it imploded. It was just a matter of time. You know what I found kind of weird? Yeah. That they put a toilet in it. There wasn't a toilet. There was a bucket. Right. But like, can people just not do their business and plan to not have to take a dump thousands of feet under the sea? I think once you're in there and you get locked in, you couldn't open that thing even if you wanted to. It had to be opened externally. 18 bolts had to be removed physically by a person on the outside. Outside. Yeah, so I think once you're locked in and you start descending into the dark, like pitch black depths of the ocean, I don't care how much self-control you have. I'm sure at some point someone's like, I'm going to shit my pants. Gotta go. You know, fear will take over. It just seems like (laughs) kind of unnecessary. The whole situation just seems unnecessary, if we're honest. Why go down there? I don't know. Did you ever see this movie called um, The Sphere, I think? The Sphere? Oh, yes, of course. Because it's an alien movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, ultimately. But also a deep sea movie. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. I love the sphere. I love the abyss. James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true, love that. It. true that. So yeah, these super rich people who had generational wealth and probably not a lot of discretion when it came to planning holidays because who thought in their right mind this was a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. It's also like how are you going to put your own son in that level of danger? So let's talk about the two Pakistani, well, Pakistani origin or ethnicity uh, passengers. One of them was Shehzada Dawood. Now, this guy, his entire family is super, super rich, very wealthy. They are industrialists and philanthropists in Pakistan, kind of like Rockefellers, like that level of influence, fame and money, I would say, in Pakistan. And so... He was really curious about nature and being in, you know, natural habitats and curious about all kinds of mysteries of the world, science, tech and nature. So he was just a curious person. Mm. He just wanted to know he needed to go see. I understand that because I have that kind of curiosity, too. But but I would not go down there in this uncertified, you know, unsafe sub. Somehow the CEO convinced him. I would want the James Cameron experience. So somehow the CEO convinced Shehzada Dawood that this was okay to do. And I guess the excitement of going to see the Titanic must have overcome any concerns that may have popped up in his mind. And he took his 19-year-old son, Suleiman, with him. And from whatever news we've read Suleiman was terrified of this trip he really did not want to go oh no that's horrible he tried to get out of it but he wanted to please his father and it was father's day weekend which is why he went just to make his dad happy oh my god pretty sad poor Suleiman he took his Rubik's Cube with him because he loved that thing he would have it on him at all times and he applied to the Guinness Book World Records to be like the Rubik's Cube solver at the deepest depths of the ocean. He'd be the first one to do oh, it. Oh, that's creative. And I hope that gave him some solace. I hope he was just doing his Rubik's Cube and not really being afraid the whole time is all I can hope for. 
What I guess is a good thing is that from the simulation that I think anyone who's been following this series must have seen by now is that it would have been a little pretty quick and instantaneous death. Yes. In fact, if I die an unnatural death, I hope it's this quick. Yeah. It doesn't even register that you're about to die or you're dying or you're going to get hurt. Nope. The thing that scares me the most about this kind of thing or like plane crashes, it's, you know, obviously in a plane, you know, you're going down and you have that period of time. Mm -hmm. But the thing that scares me the most, more than that even, is the like impact mm. point, that moment of impact. And I don't know if in the sub they would have registered even for a microsecond, like the... I'm going to say crunch of it all. I don't think they did. I don't think it registered. No. I hope not. The idea of that just, I'm sweating over the sweat that I'm already sweating thinking <laughs> about it. This was truly painless and they had no idea it was happening. That's good. Unless their alarm systems were going off just before it happened. No. We don't know. I don't, I don't want, I don't want an alarm. I don't want that. I don't need that. We'll find out no. more once they... If they have recovered, like, the black box or recordings or whatever, you know, else they had, yeah, we'll know soon. I have a couple more questions. Go ahead. But first, I want to say, do we think that Sul it's Suleiman, right? Suleiman? Was he, like, the only... I mean, they're all victims, but he, to me, he's, like, maybe the only actual victim. Because, A, he's a kid. He didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. And the rest of them, like, you know, kind of knew what they were signing up for a little bit in terms of spending $250,000 on, like, a knockoff submarine. Yeah, because he, had, he hadn't really lived his life yet. He hadn't experienced, like, so many things in life. And, like, we see in a lot of the victims in our stories when they're young, when they're kids, who just, they're truly innocent, you know, they didn't do a thing to deserve this. And at this point in this yeah. story, it seems like he was only doing it to please his father, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, dear Suleiman, and also his father, Shahzada Dawood. You know, they didn't really want to die, all these people. They were just curious. No, obviously, yeah. That that part is sad. It's, it's that CEO's fault who made this stupid company and that idiotic sub. He's the real culprit here. Yeah, yeah. I hope all that wealth goes to a good place, at least. I know that it won't. I know that it won't, but it'd be cool if it did. If anyone else has any funny ideas about going under the sea, please just <laughs> delete those from your brain. The ocean is a deep, dark, scary place. Just leave it alone. <laughs> okay. Okay. So one of my other questions is at that depth and with that level of pressure, can any human re remains exist or does it all just get sort of squished into nothingness? You will turn to soup, basically. No matter oh. what you're wearing, there's no dive suit that can keep you in your current meat form. Yeah. Once you go to 12,000 feet, it's not happening. Pulverized. Yeah. I'll say 99.9% .9 of the world that heard this news couldn't fathom why anyone would voluntarily do this for $250,000. Because when you're like working two jobs and trying to make ends meet and with the prices rising up, like inflation going crazy. Yeah. You can't imagine why you would voluntarily sit in this death trap 
you literally could just sit in like sit in the submarine in a dark room and put a TV in the window and have exactly the same experience. So there was little sympathy from most people when it came to this news. I think it's cool that you covered this, though, because that is so true. But when we realize that actually there was at least one real victim, you know, the kid, we can feel sorry and sad about it, like makes the whole story, puts it in a bit of a different perspective. So poor Suleiman. Uh, Rest in peace, brother. Okay, Uh, Alex, you want to do a story? And is it jungle news? Sure. Should we switch straight over to Jungle News? Yeah. Let's swim out of this story. All right. Yeah. I have some, I'm calling it Monkey Masala today. Monkey Masala. Okay. So I have two different stories Mm -hmm. involving the um, use of various methods to... Save crops. Save crops and deter monkeys. Okay. I'm all for it. Let's deter all the monkeys. Me versus monkeys. <laughs> That's true. You know, now you know what you need to do. I'm about to I'm about to inform you. Educate me. How do we do this? So the first story comes from the Indian Express. Mm-hmm. I'm just realizing this article is from 2016, so Good. this is not a hot take. Yeah. It's a slightly warm take. Mm-hmm. When innovation meets ideas in India, it usually turns out to be jugads. Jugads? Jugad, which means makeshift. Jugad. Which are hacks to get a grip of any situation in the best possible way with options available at hand. So, jerry-rigging, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, several villages in Andhra's North Godavari district mm-hmm. Fed up by the monkey menace, so monkeys raiding their crops, I guess, or maybe just harassing people in the village. Oh, I bet that was the problem because monkeys are assholes. They came up with the innovative idea to scare them away using big cats, a.k.a. tigers. Mm. So they used stuffed Animal tigers. <laughs> Aww. Let's see. Uh, yes, so here we go. The monkey, as the monkey population rose in these villages, so did their nuisance. These monkeys often attacked passersby, stole valuables, and even entered into homes. And so the villagers came up with the idea to use stuffed tigers to get rid of them. If the reports are to be believed, the trick worked as they placed these stuffed beasts around the village. And yeah, just like that. <laughs> no more monkey problem. <laughs> so wait a minute. I I don't think there are tigers in Andhra or are there? Let me Google that. How did the monkey know what a tiger is? To be afraid of the tiger? Yeah. Are there tigers in Andhra? Let's see. Okay, yes. There is a tiger reserve in Andhra Pradesh. So, okay. I guess these monkeys did know what a tiger is and it worked. Okay. That's great. So, a similar instance of this happened. Let's see. What is this? This is from this year, June 26, 2023. Farmers in Uttar Pradesh. 
dress up as bears to protect <laughs> crops from monkeys. So the farmers themselves are wearing bear costumes the whole day. So humanoid scarecrows dressed in old clothes and placed in open fields are a common sight in Indian villages, meant to discourage birds and animals from growing crops. These tricks, however, don't always work, leaving farmers to come up with new techniques. Another, what was it? Jagad? Jugad. Jugar. Jugar. Um, so this time, farmers in Uttar Pradesh's Lakimpur Keri used an unconventional method by donning bear costumes to frighten monkeys that damaged their sugarcane crop. Okay, I'm looking at pictures of this, and this is... <laughs> it looks like some indie film. So this looks like a like gorilla costume at first glance because this is not what you think of as a bear you know in north no. america and maybe parts of europe but in india you do have bears that look kind of like this look like, like this that's true the indian bears kind of weird looking indian bears are black bears they're called i think sun bears or um even sloth bears they're all black they have black hair it's not fur i think it's hair so they have like black hair but the mask he's wearing, it looks awful. It looks like a cat. It kind of reminds me of Donnie Darko and the, all of this footage is like some knockoff Indian Donnie Darko. Man, that must be a hot costume to be in. And I know. <laughs> oof, this guy's probably like losing a ton of weight. Move over, Ozempic. If you want to lose weight. Don this bear costume and garden while you're wearing this costume. But my question is, is like, if you are just walking around anyways, aren't you going to, aren't you going to scare off the monkeys without the bear costume? I don't think monkeys are afraid of humans whatsoever. From what I've seen, they don't give a shit. But if you're like aggressing them, even? Mm-mm. Wow. Okay. So this farmer said that they had to resort to this method after authorities paid no attention to the matter despite receiving the information. He further said that several farmers contributed money and bought a bear costume for 4,000 rupees to protect the crops. 40 to 45 monkeys are roaming in the area and damaging the crops. So like you have neighborhood crime stoppers where, you know, people will take turns to walk around and keep an eye. Yeah, the neighborhood watch. This is the monkey watch. <laughs> this is like the farmer's version of the crime stoppers. When they like um, hand over to the next shift, <laughs> the next farmer who comes to take the shift, he's like, Zip, here you go. One sweaty <laughs> bear costume. Step right in. Oh, yeah. God, I hope they wash it. There's no way they're washing this. Well, you know, at least they've been resourceful and they're not killing the monkeys because as much as I hate them, I don't want people to be like killing innocent animals. Yeah. And also like what's kind of nice is that this worked as sort of like a marketing campaign for the cause as well, because mm -hmm. people are showing some concern for the, the farmers now saying things like someone sitting in a bear costume in 40 degrees Celsius to save their crops from monkeys. We need a better solution to tackle the monkey menace. Yeah, so my question is, are monkeys stupid or are monkeys smart? <laughs> I vote for stupid. I, I think they're stupid and they're stupidly smart. Because you can't fool them for too long. They'll learn. 
the bear gimmick is not going to work forever. That's for sure. Going to have to keep switching animals, buying new costumes, and they're going to be like cycling through. What is it? That Godzilla? <laughs> Maybe a giraffe next? I don't know. Like just stun the monkeys. They're like, what the hell is this animal? We've never seen this before. <laughs> you know what? I think I understand who's coming up with these ideas. It's probably like a toy shop owner <laughs> who needs to get rid. <laughs> Of some merchandise. He's like, I got like these 50, 60 stuffed toy tigers. What do I do? The tigers must have been life-size though too, right? Because like a little little, like tiger doll. The question, are monkeys smart or are they stupid? (laughs) Excellent ideas. (laughs) So that's my little monkey masala for you. Thanks, Alex. It's totally a thing. My next story is about an adventurous expedition with some disappointing results. You know, when someone tries to be a good person, a good Samaritan, they don't usually do it in expectation of being rewarded or being recognized or anything. Most people do it truly out of the goodness of their hearts. Hopefully. But when you get completely sidelined and literally like blocked, ignored and conveniently erased from the story it must be so heartbreaking not just for the person involved but also to everyone who knew about the story let me tell you what i'm talking about okay okay we're gonna be talking about a story from mount everest oh another thing that i don't really understand why people spend so much money to do i mean i get it more than the submarine thing but it costs like i don't know Tens of thousands of dollars, right? A hundred, at least a hundred thousand dollars. To get tired, just to get really, really tired. (laughs) People hate their lungs and they need revenge. This is what they do. They're like, God (laughs) damn you lungs, I'll show you. (laughs) I'm taking you to Everest with me. Okay, so what happened? Okay, yeah. So this happened fairly recently. Like in May of this year. So just a couple months ago, this happened. A 30-year-old Sherpa named Gelje Sherpa from Solukumbu successfully rescued a Malaysian mountaineer stranded near the area known as the Death Zone on Mount Everest. That sounds nice. Now, it's considered impossible for anyone to be rescued from this region. And... Gelje's rescue of the Malaysian climber has been hailed as a miracle by officials. When Gelje saw this person stranded alone on the ridge, frozen and trembling, and no one else seemed to be aware of his presence except Gelje, he noted it and he felt something. I'm sure he's seen people in this state before, but at this time he thought he needs to do something and he felt capable enough to try and rescue him, although it would also put his own life in danger. Yeah. And so Gelje brought him down, tied with a rope, And he put him in a black sleeping mat or a sleeping bag as a makeshift sled. And he carried him on his back down the mountain until camp four, where other teammates were present further down. And then the helicopter could take him. But he's the guy who brought him from the death zone on his back. God damn it. Yeah. If they had slipped, they would have both died. Okay. When you're already at like that low oxygen, you're barely able to breathe. You're like gasping for air and this guy's carrying another person on his back can you imagine jeez 
Like, hats off to (laughs) Sherpa Gelje. I know. Gelje himself holds the record for being the youngest person to summit the killer mountain K2 in winter. Wow. Last year, Gelje was part of a 10-member Nepali team successfully completed the first winter ascent of K2. I think K2 is uh, Karakoram, yeah. Okay. I find this funny in most Everest climbing stories are like, we're going to climb Everest. And what you don't see is like at least two, three Sherpas in the background who are helping them climb, literally pushing them up the mountain with bags on their shoulders. Packs. Carrying all the shit. Yeah. Yeah, Everything. That fucking gets me too, man. That really grinds my gears. Every single Sherpa is doing 10 times the work, maybe even more, of the climber. And these climbers are feeling so accomplished by just being pushed up the mountain. And they do it like multiple times per year too. Like they are actual superhumans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're genetically capable of doing all these ascents and their lungs and their bodies are acclimatized to be at such high altitudes. They're able to do it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yes, it's still dangerous. They can still die and they do still lose their lives in a lot of dangerous situations. But it's just hilarious to me that all these climbers are like, whoa, I climbed Everest and there's three people behind him with their arms folded like, yeah, okay, you know, have your moment, whatever, dude. You got to be grateful and you got to recognize that these Sherpas are definitely superior than most mountaineers who are going up here. And so in this case, Gelje, the Sherpa, was accompanying his own client. I believe it was a Chinese client. Okay. And these people, like I told you, they pay at least $100,000, if not more, to come here. And usually it is sponsors through sponsors or their personal wealth or whatever. So there's a lot of money involved. Yeah. So for a client to say, okay, you can abandon our mission and go save this other person is a very big deal. If you're climbing this thing, you're on your own. No one owes you a thing. No one is accountable for your life. You are accountable for your life. If you're dying, if you're like in trouble, it's up to you to save yourself. There's no like expectation of a helicopter coming to save you, right? No, helicopters can't fly up there, especially in the death zone. There's hardly any air. How will it fly? You need air, right? To generate lift for anything to fly. <laughs> is that is that how it works? I didn't know actually. <laughs> but that's interesting. The air is so thin, it can't fly up there in, in the death zone. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, I didn't know that. That's why people lose their lives, despite it being like a traffic jammed mountain. There's like hundreds of people doing this in a serpine queue to get up there. It's not like you're alone and remote and isolated like it used to be 30, 40 years ago. Okay, there's like a traffic jam up there now. You're back to back, butt to butt with other climbers as you're climbing Everest. Okay. Gelje was assisted in this rescue by Nimatashi Sherpa, another Sherpa. And they both were concerned about the conditions of the Malaysian climber that they were rescuing because they definitely thought he was going to die if he was up there for like a minute longer. Mm -hmm. Once they brought him down to a safer altitude, he was airlifted to Kathmandu for treatment and he was fine. He was totally fine. He really didn't suffer much. 
He went back to Malaysia and then did the press circuit for being rescued because that's a big thing. You almost died on Everest. Yeah, surviving. Going on TV, giving interviews about how he survived. Like it was such a miracle. And he totally sidelined Gelje Sherpa. He didn't mention his name. He didn't give him any credit. He kept crediting the company that sponsored him and the tourist company that he went through. He kept crediting them for the rescue, although they were not the ones who carried him on their backs down from the death zone. What the actual hell? People were so annoyed. And, and when Gelje Sherpa tried to contact him on Instagram just to check on him and be like, hey, are you okay? How are you doing? This Malaysian climber blocked him what what is up with this guy what a jerk his name is Ravi Chandran Turumalingam what a dick yeah but like why do you think he was ashamed maybe (laughs) embarrassed some ego shit I don't know what he thought he was giving credit just to the wrong people he was just trying to like butter up his sponsors and the tourism company which is kind of bullshit. It's like he's trying to make a bag. He's trying to give them more publicity when he's like in front of the camera. Um, What was the guy's name again? The Sherpa? Gelje Sherpa. Gelje Sherpa. Maybe he was, maybe Gelje Sherpa was like the whole way down whispering, you suck, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Little bitch, I'm saving your ass you right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Taunting him the whole way down. (laughs) (laughs) I highly doubt it. Me too. But yeah, anyway, Gelje Sherpa made it clear he wasn't looking for credit and he's like, please leave him alone. It's okay. I asked not to be like put in the center of this whole thing. I don't want limelight. I don't want fame or anything. And most climbers who are passionate about it, they are like that. They're more introspective and more like private people. They're not necessarily out here to be like celebs or whatever. They don't do it for the clout. I definitely picture mountain people as being like the silent types. Hmm. Must give you a lot of uh, food for thought, you know, when you're in the shadow of these mighty mountains. Because it makes you realize how, how little we are, how insignificant we are, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Must be like very humbling to live that kind of life. Hope so. So yeah, shame on you. Ravi Chandran Tarumalingam, you (laughs) are getting a Buddha award. You are definitely a Buddha award. Yeah, dude. I'm glad Gelji Sherpa's name is out there. I hope he gets all the credit that he deserves. And I hope he's successful in all his future climbs because I'm sure that's what brings him real joy. So all the best, Gelji Sherpa. I don't maybe want to reveal myself as too much of a sociopath but like in that situation i don't know if i'm going out of my way to save somebody oh i'm definitely not i'm definitely not like i think he must have a big heart to do that like jeez i mean there is an unwritten rule if you're climbing up there we're all walking to our deaths essentially if we make it down we're lucky hmm You've signed up for this, just like the submersible. (laughs) You signed up for this. (laughs) I like your adventure news today. Humans doing silly things. I'm going to do a quick little true crimey, tiny little true crimey one first. And then I have more jungle. Okay. 
Jungle Jangle. Jungle Jalebi. So this comes from uh, HansIndia.com, which like appears to be a news site, but I've never heard of it. And the article is like pretty suspicious to me. (laughs) There's no details. There's very little source material, but um, it is kind of a throwback to our Killer Curry episode. Mm Mm-hmm. A uh, wife allegedly attempts to kill husband in Vizianagaram. I don't know where that is. Oh, look who I have in the background. I have a visitor. <gasps> Who's that? Hello. Who's that? Hi. Do you remember me? Alex <laughs> yes. Do you remember me? Yes. How are you? I'm good. Are you having lunch? We're not having lunch. Are you going to play? Yeah. I want to play with you. Uh, what? Hey. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was a little uh, luchi break. All right, sweetie. Go up, okay? I'll be right You've up. You've been visited. Okay. So what was your story again? Okay, so a wife allegedly attempts to kill her husband in Vizianagaram district. According to the police, a couple, it says a couple, along with children. However, the wife, who has an extramarital affair, had planned to kill her husband. I don't know if we're talking in the past or in the present or in the future in this article. Maybe this is like precog. <laughs> As a part of the plan, she cooked mutton biryani for the hubby by mixing sleeping pills. Oh. <laughs> After her husband fell asleep, she called her boyfriend, who had been having an extramarital affair for many years. The boyfriend was having another affair with a third person? I don't know. <laughs> like, this is actually the worst article if I could even call it that, I've read ever in my life. Okay. While both of them tried to kill the husband by tying a nylon rope around his neck, the latter woke up, the latter is the husband, and screamed, due to which the wife and her lover escaped. The husband immediately complained to the two town police. There were only two police in that town, I, I assume. The accused were detained by the police and interrogated, who confessed to the crime and were remanded. And that's the end of the article. That's the end of the story. (laughs) But I mean, like, if there is any actual, like, truth or substance to the story, I'm mad. Because how are you going to make a man be afraid of biryani? Oh, that is sad. Just imagine he'll never be able to eat biryani again. Eat biryani again. There's no way to live. That is the real crime in this story. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's my little (laughs) true crime corner for the day. You know what's my favorite part in the biryani? The bones. Crispy onions that you put on top? Yeah. I will literally just eat a bowl full of that crispy onion. I don't even need the biryani. Give me the onion. Nom, 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 nom. (gasps) Me too. I'm always there for crispy onions, man. That should be sold as a snack. I don't like most American snacks. I think they taste terrible if they even have any flavor. We need these kind of desi themed snacks on the shelves. How yeah. about some crispy onion snack? 
We should start a snack company. Speaking of onions, I have a story for you. Oh, okay. With a segue. Yeah. Cool. It's from uh, rawstory.com. It says, thanks, shallot, or thanks, shallot. Indian police foil onion heist. <laughs> Get it? Thanks, shallot. <laughs> I feel like this, whoever came up with that should get an award. Indian police have foiled a bid by robbers to make off with a truck laden with onions in an unusual crime apparently motivated by rocketing prices of the staple food. This is 100% true. Onions are very expensive in India because it takes a lot of water to grow them. And the region in which they are grown are hit by drought very often. So there are years when the onion crop is like tiny, tiny, tiny. And onions are eaten every single day in every single home in India. I would say in most homes in India. I don't think there's a single dish. I mean, there are not many dishes that don't have onions. Why would there be? That's pointless. If you cook without onions, just uh, go fast. Don't even bother eating. (laughs) No, don't. Don't even bother eating. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if onions are endemic to India, though, or if they're one of those, like, foods that you would would expect to be but aren't actually, like potatoes in Ireland. Central Asia is where onions are from. What is Central okay. Asia? Like Russia, Afghanistan? Kyrgyz- what is it? Kyr- Kyrgyzstan? Mongolia? Originated in Iran, Western Pakistan, oh. and Central Asia. Okay, not too far. Mm. Okay, yeah. It is the manna of life. You can't not have onion. Three men stopped a truck on the main road from the western city of Jaipur to the capital, New Delhi, on Sunday on the pretense that their vehicle had been damaged in a collision. After accusing the truck driver of causing the accident, one of the men jumped behind the wheel and the others fled. So that's how they kind of hijacked the onion truck. Oh, okay. Hijackers target loaded trucks to loot goods, but it is not usual to target food or vegetables, said the policeman from Shahapura, where the crime took place. So a kilogram costing 60 rupees, which is less than a dollar, in the capital from as little as 15 rupees the previous years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, so they pretended that there was an accident in order to steal the truck. Got stuck. And they're like, haha, psych, we're just here for the onions. Gotcha. And they drove yeah. off. Okay, so the, the, the truck driver told the police, and then they had to do like a onion retrieval operation. It must have been like very high on the list of priorities for the police in that region. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> onions are a priority. We hear of murders, assaults, kidnappings going uninvestigated, delayed for months, but onions onions we get on that stat i wonder how they caught them were they just looking at truck drivers who were like crying tears from cutting the onions or like damaged onions in the back maybe they just followed the smell onions are pretty stinky i'm glad they were found what did she say i don't know what did you say luchi they're not gonna cry they're not gonna cry yeah 
Okay, that's it for my onion story, Alex. What's your next jungle news? Do we have time? We are way over, but that's okay. We'll have a long episode. Okay, um, I can segue from stealing onions to stealing a bag with 400,000 rupees in Bihar. The culprit you will not expect. Can you guess who stole this money? It's not monkeys, right? Please tell me it's not another monkey story. <laughs> it's not monkey, but it is a furry, four-legged creature. Ooh, a little puppy. Hi, doggies. Exactly. So, India's stray dog steals bag with 400,000 rupees in Bihar. Uh, this Aww. is coming from the BBC News. <laughs> Um, from 18 January 2013. That seems to be a weird year. A lot of <laughs> a lot of our news is from 2013. Great year for weird news. Yes. Um. So a businessman in India's Bihar state had lodged has lodged had lodged a complaint with the police saying that a stray dog ran away with his bag containing forty thousand rupees or seven thousand and four hundred dollars then. Who knows what that is now? Um, his name was Nakched Mian. Nakched Mia. Nakched Mia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What a name. What a name. Nakched Mia. I don't know what exactly that means. Nak is nose. Ched is like tease. When you tease someone, it's ched. And Nak is nose. So is he like just digging his nose, nose all day? Why was he... <laughs> Why is he named Nakchermi? I'm sure we're <gasps> saying it weird. wrong and it means something else, but okay, go on. So he said the bag was kept on his bed while he went out to wash his hands at a water pump. Okay. And that's when the dog entered the room and ran off with the bag. <laughs> <laughs> this is some like CIA <laughs> shit. Yeah, who who trained this dog? They did a good job. Who trained this dog? Because this is not something ordinary dogs do. I have never seen a dog just come into a room, do nothing else, head for a bag, take it and leave. Unless the guy was like eating food and then counting the money without washing his hands, which is not very hygienic. You should wash your hands. Unless, yeah, he was like eating kebabs and he's like wiping his hands all over the suitcase. And the dog thought he was going to get some kebab and he just got a bunch of stupid paper. Stupid money. Yeah, I don't see why any dog would be interested in a suitcase. <laughs> so after the hunt was launched, only 140,000 rupees of the 400,000 was recovered from a street close to the house. But the rest of the money is still missing. <laughs> I bet that dog must have been so disappointed when he yeah. opened that bag. Like, kebabs, no! I mean, someone must have found the rest of the money and had themselves a nice little day. If a human was involved, why wouldn't they just take all the money? They would have taken it all. The fact that there was still at least $3,000 left means this was a pure canine-led <laughs> mission. Right. <laughs> the dog did something with the buddy. He probably was really mad and he like threw it in the river or whatever. I just imagine him like shaking the bag and money flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. I would think this dog was probably trained because this is 
This is odd. Indian street dogs are a special breed, though, too. They are definitely smart. There is no smarter, stupid question like with the monkeys. Indian street dogs are smart. They're <laughs> tough. I remember when I was living in Bangalore, all of the dogs had, like, bent tails, missing ears, holes in their, you know, <laughs> they were beat up. They have seen some shit. Those dogs are street smart. Yeah, man. And also very friendly. Like a lot of people make mm -hmm. friends with the stray dogs and they feed them and take care of them. And they're so loyal and friendly and they'll protect you from other like stray dogs on the street. Is there more info on this story? Um, Mr. Nose Teaser said, When I went outside to wash my face at the water pump, I saw a stray dog running away with my money bag clutched in his mouth. I chased <laughs> it, but it disappeared from sight. Okay, so he knows for sure it was a dog too. Because part of me was like, maybe someone stole it and he's just blaming a dog. Like, How does he know it was the dog? Unless he saw the dog, which it looks like he did. He did see it. Aww. Oh, yeah. Many local people have now joined the search for the missing bag as police believe the dog would have abandoned it after finding no food inside it. So, yeah. <laughs> I bet all the local stray dogs were very well fed for the next few weeks. People must be like, oh, come on, let's make friends with them. Maybe they'll lead us to the bag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Anyways. You know, this is why I want to make friends with a crow. I'm so desperate to be friends with a crow. Just like you're desperate to be friends with wolves yeah. <laughs> from, our, from our Mowgli episode. For me, I want to be friends with a crow. Because if you are nice to them, they bring you shiny things that they find on the street That's and whatnot. True. So, you know, <laughs> Smart. Keys and diamond rings. Plus, maybe? it's just a metal look to have a crow hanging around you all the time. Oh, yeah, totally. Whenever I see a crow, I'm like, friend! <laughs> friend! My friend! Crow's like, okay, weird lady, please leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't see too many crows here up in North America, at least where I live. And I, I almost miss them because there were so many crows in India. You'd hear them like right starting in the morning, you'd hear, hear crows all day. And now if I see one, I'm like, where'd you come from? Oh. Where are you from? Where are your friends? Bring them here. It's a nice place to live. Settle here, please. Uh, so that was all the stories we had for you today. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this extra, extra, extra long Masala News episode. Yeah, we really did it. Tell us what you thought about all the stories. Would you go on these kind of uh, death almost certainly guaranteed type adventures? Even if you had like a shit ton of money, if you were like really, really rich, would you do it? I would also like to hear about some some other good examples of what was it? Jugars. Jugars? Jugars, yeah. Send me your monkey masala ideas. Jugars are ingrained in every Desi person's DNA. We can't <laughs> throw away stuff. Yeah. If it breaks, we'll try to fix it. We'll try to find someone who knows how to fix it. And if it can be fixed, 
we'll just use it for something else, you know? So that explains why I held on to the cushions for a couch that I had that broke and I had to throw away the frame of the couch. But for some unexplainable reason, I I held on to the couch cushions because I was like, I will find a use for these and I just still haven't. I have no idea what to do with them. (laughs) That's the Daisy litmus test. Try throwing away something the minute it like breaks. Try it. (laughs) I guarantee you, you can't do it. If you're brown in any way, your hands will shake and shiver before (laughs) you throw anything in the trash immediately. And you know what? Speaking of all the jugar business, it just reminded me, circle back to the beginning of this episode. The way that the Titan submersible was built was very much a jugar <laughs> form of engineering. That's true. Oh my God. Everything in there was makeshift. They didn't follow any protocols. The material used to make the pressure valves, jugar, polycarbonate, instead of like titanium, blah, 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 blah. Goddamn game controller. No buttons. A bucket. A bucket for toilet. What the hell is going on? Well, I think Stockton Rush should get his DNA checked. He might have some Daisy blood in him after all. That was Jugad at its worst. Best and worst, yeah. <laughs> Best and worst in Jugad. And maybe that's the title of this episode. What do you think? Yeah, of? maybe. It's got to be in there. I think this, this episode just named itself. <laughs> awesome. Right. Okay. That's it for our masala news and jungle news for tonight, today, the rest of the week. And we'll see you in a couple weeks in another episode of Crimes from the East, your Desi True Crime podcast with a little masala and spice. Spice. And monkeys. Namaste. Namaste. No, no monkeys. Bad monkeys. <laughs> I don't want to hear about no goddamn monkeys.